waiting is something most of us consider to be an utter waste of time, and yet we do an awful lot of it, don't we? Sure, we wait in traffic. We wait in line at the store to check out. We wait for the meeting to start. We wait for the test results to come back. We wait, and we wait. And today's gospel lesson has a lot of waiting going on in it with Jesus' parable about the wise and the foolish virgins. So in our 24-7 Wi-Fi connected world that we live in where any waiting, any delay is really viewed as a problem, how do we understand Jesus' parable? What is the meaning for our lives today. For the remaining weekends in this month of November, the sermons will all be based on the gospel lesson appointed for each week, and they all rise up out of Matthew chapter 25 under the theme, Waiting for the Kingdom. Last weekend, the first weekend in November, we observed the festival of all saints. And that festival sets the mood for worship for this entire month, pointing us to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, faithful watching for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this sermon series is going to culminate then on the final Sunday of the church year, which is Thanksgiving weekend, when we observe the festival of Christ the King. And I'm indebted to Dr. Harry Went, the author of Crossways Bible Materials, for his insights here and for the titles of this theme. And they include today, Waiting for the Kingdom, Living Expectantly, based on the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Next weekend, the theme will be waiting for the kingdom living responsibly, as the words of Jesus with his parable of the talents, the sum of money entrusted to three servants and their use of them until the master returns. And that then will culminate on Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday this month, waiting for the kingdom, living compassionately as we hear Jesus tell of the final judgment. And in that, he says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a visitor. You welcomed me. I was sick and in prison and you came to me. And so we begin this series today then with waiting for the kingdom, living expectantly. And may the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. We live in strange times, don't we, right now? Very trying, uncertain times that we live in with ever more senseless acts of violence all around us. And so through this lens, it would be very easy to see only doom, only gloom. Everything is spiraling ever downward. One horrific shooting 
is eclipsed by yet another. One week ago today, just one week ago, at Sunderland Springs Baptist Church in Texas, 26 members, 26 members of this congregation were killed by a gunman, as we all know. And among these, as you probably also know, were eight members of the visiting pastor's family, spanning three generations and including the visiting pastor himself. We shake our heads and we ask, what is going on in the world around us? Where is God in all of this? How long, O oh Lord, how long do we wait for things to get better? How do we live expectantly? There is good news, and that good news is that God's kingdom, the reign of God, the rule of God, that has broken into this sorry, messed up world that we call home. And that kingdom, that reign, that rule of God, it centers on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, who who became one of us to enter into this sorry, messed up world which we live in to be human and experience not just all of the joys, but the sorrows as well. Jesus became one of us, and it is through Jesus, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, that we understand by faith that God is for us, not against us, and that in Jesus, he has paid the price, all of it, for our sin and disobedience. And it is in Jesus that our future is secure, come what may. Edward Edmund Steinle is a name you probably are not familiar with. He was a Lutheran pastor, a seminary professor, and he wrote, if we in the church are going to be heard by those outside the church, we'd better make it crystal clear that our faith includes our experiences of God absent as well as present that we know, as they do, what it means to live in a world which gives precious little evidence of the presence or reality of God, maybe then they will listen to us for a change. To be sure, on our part, we need to be on the alert lest his coming like a thief in the night catch us unawares. But we will miss any coming. We will miss any visitation, any assurance of his presence, any heavenly banquet if we are not first prepared for the delay, for his absence. The unfaithful ones in the parable were ready for a coming, but not for a delay. 
And for those unfaithful ones, there was no coming at all, no visitation. The door was shut. I do not know you. In the weddings of Jesus' day, the focus was not on the bride, it was on the bridegroom. It was the groom who footed the bill for the whole wedding, an idea, I believe, whose time has come again. (laughs) Speaking as the father of four daughters, I like that a lot. It was the groom's occasion to show off for his family and friends, and the entire wedding was done on his terms. So to understand what Jesus is talking about, we have to understand a little bit of what weddings were like in first century Palestine. Following the wedding ceremony itself, the ten virgins, the bridesmaids, departed with the bride to her home with their lamps. And these lamps would have been little clay handheld Uh, things that fit into the palm of your hand with a hole in the middle where the oil went in and a spout at the upper end where the wick came out, which is what was lit. If it's big enough to fit in your palm of your hand, it didn't hold a lot of oil to begin with. And that's what they're talking about. To be prepared, and nothing ever starts on time with weddings, do they? No, they don't, and so you better have that flask of oil. Departing and waiting with the bride at her home where the groom would come and meet and escort his bride to his parents' home. And there then is this delay until the groom arrives. Living expectantly. Living expectantly in the midst of difficult times that try our souls, it isn't easy. But we're not the first ones to do this. In a few minutes, we'll be singing the hymn of the day. And it was written at such a time as this. The writer both of the text and of the tune was a German Lutheran pastor named Philip Nikolai, and he lived in the first generation after Luther. He graduated from the University of Wittenberg, Germany, where Luther himself taught, and then he served in ministry at various places. All of this occurred at a time when religious conflict raged between Lutherans and Catholics and Calvinists, Germany was the battleground between warring troops from all over Europe who converged there. And as we know, with war also comes famine and disease. Pastor Philip Nikolai was called to serve in Una, Westphalia in 1596 in the following year. In 1597, the plague struck, killing 1,300 of his parishioners, including 170 in just one week's time. To comfort his parishioners, Pastor Nikolai wrote a series of meditations, which he called the Freudenspiegel, or the Mirror of Joy, 
And to this, he appended two hymns, both of which we sing still, and both of which are familiar and much loved in the body of Christ. They are, O morning star, how fair and bright, an epiphany hymn. And the other is, wake, awake, for night is flying. The watchmen on the heights are crying, awake, Jerusalem, arise. Midnight hears the welcome voices, and at the thrilling cry rejoices, O where are ye, ye virgins wise? The bridegroom comes, awake, your lamps with gladness take, alleluia. With bridal care yourselves prepare to meet the bridegroom who is near. All of that based on Jesus' parable in the gospel today. In the midst of a world that seems like it's going from bad to worse, where sin and evil often appear to have the upper hand, and where goodness and righteousness seem close to extinction, God's people cry out, Come, Lord Jesus. And why does Jesus delay his coming? I think the more we go along in life, the more we think about that very thing. And the answer to this question is rooted in God's love and concern for us, as we're told in Scripture. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's the reason for the delay, for the sake of people that may come to repentance. So while there is time, we turn to the Lord with repentant hearts. Living expectantly means that we're in this world, but not of this world. We have jobs, we maintain our homes, we go grocery shopping, we do all the things everybody else does, but we see all of these things with an eye toward eternity. We have one foot here in time and the other in eternity in joyful expectation of the return of Jesus who loves us, who shed his blood to set us free from our sin. We live in a state of readiness for that blessed day, doing on earth those things which prepare us for heaven. And we look ahead to what will yet be revealed, as Paul himself tells us in that epistle lesson for today. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, 
will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And that's our calling as we wait for the full revelation of the kingdom of God when Christ will come again, encourage one another in faith. In Jesus, we know the day of the Lord will bring about the ultimate fulfillment of God's plan and purpose for all of creation, and that centers in Jesus Christ. So for the child of God, that great and final day is not a day of darkness and destruction. It is a day of light and joy because our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, is coming to take home his bride, the church, that we may be with him forever. Encourage one another with these words. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.